One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they said, and they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do so, they may invite you back, and, say, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought a five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet.
Thank you, musicians. I must say, I really do enjoy the singing in our church services. It's uh, really a great highlight for me. Um, let's uh, bow in prayer as we come to think about God's word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the nourishment that we can receive from your word. We thank you that your word is light and life for our souls. We pray, Father God, that um, by your spirit that you would be helping us to understand your word and think through its implications for our lives and for our world. We ask all these things in the precious name of our Saviour. Amen. How, how do you feel when you've organised a party and people who've said that they are coming uh, don't turn up? How do you feel? Uh, we might uh, feel disappointed when that happens. We might feel disappointed because... Uh, we, uh, we were looking forward to their company, and, uh, but we realise that they've just forgotten or that for some other good reason they couldn't be there. But sometimes we may even wonder if the person actually valued our invitation. Last year, an American couple, Jessica Baker and her husband, don't know what his name was, Mr Baker, <clears throat> but uh, Mr and Mrs Baker, Jessica and her husband, had been invited to a wedding, uh, and I'm talking the church service, the reception, the whole bit. They'd been invited to a wedding. They accepted the invitation, but on the day, they did not turn up. Now, a couple of weeks later, they received a letter in the mail. It was a bill for $75. And the accompanying letter said this, and I quote, it said, the cost reflects the amount paid by the bride and groom for meals that were RSVP'd for, reimbursement and an explanation for the no-show would be appreciated, full stop. <laughs> and I've got to tell you this, they're actually family members. Can you imagine Christmas Day in that uh, family that year? Imagine that. Uh, the, the story sparked a debate on television and online. I mean, how dare, how dare someone send a bill for not turning up at their wedding? The uh, opinion of the professional wedding planners was sought and they chipped in, uh, advising that it was completely against proper wedding etiquette that uh, couples should actually uh, budget for some no-shows in their planning. Uh, others online put it more bluntly than that, saying that it was just simply tacky, no class whatsoever. But, you know, on the other hand, the wedding couple, they were clearly disappointed uh, about what had happened. Now, Luke chapter 14, our passage today, if you'd like to have that open, is all about uh, banquet etiquette at the time of Jesus. And it begins in verse 1 with a banquet which was hosted in someone's home. We don't know the name of this person, but we know that he was a Pharisee. In fact, that he wasn't just any ordinary Pharisee. Luke tells us that uh, this man was a, uh, a ruler amongst the Pharisees. He was a, a leader of the Pharisees. He was a 
Pharisee of Pharisees, which means that in their culture at their time, that this man was a very important person. He uh, was a man of, uh, of great influence uh, in Jewish society as a leader amongst the Pharisees. And the, um, th this banquet was being held on a Sabbath. Now, when someone held a banquet on a Sabbath, it was not just a <coughs> spur-of-the-moment kind of thing. It's not like you know, inviting someone around to your place for lunch after church, which is a great thing to do, by the way, but it's something which had to be thought through. It had to be planned because by the very nature of it being on a Sabbath, it meant that all of the preparation, all of the work would have to be done uh, before the Sabbath. And so invitations went out in advance and on this occasion, on the guest list was the name of, Joseph, uh, of Jesus, the son of Joseph. Jesus was invited. That's a bit surprising when you think about it, isn't it? Because Jesus was not exactly particularly popular amongst the Pharisees and for a leader of the Pharisees to invite Jesus to his home, well, that's, that's interesting. And also it's interesting that Jesus accepted. I mean, Jesus did not snub the Pharisees. Uh, he didn't snub the upper classes because they too needed to hear about God's kingdom, the message which he was proclaiming. Now, one person who may not have felt entirely comfortable at this banquet was a man that Jesus met. And uh, we read about him in, verses, in verse 2. Uh, Luke tells us that he was suffering from a condition which is described as being dropsy. I don't know if you know what dropsy is, but uh, the, the actual Greek word which Dr. Luke uses, uh, literally translated, means internal water. Um, this man was swollen. His body was swollen. He was swollen because of a, a build-up of water beneath his skin and inside the cavities of his body. Uh, these days we know more about that than Dr Luke knew at the time and uh, we know that it's something which is caused by a heart problem and we call it edema. And apparently it's very painful very painful condition to have. So why was this man at the banquet? Well, we're not told uh, how he got there. Uh, he might have just gatecrashed. He might have just turned up at the banquet because he was seeking after Jesus. He, he wanted healing from our Lord Jesus. Or he might have been invited. He might have been actually planted there by the Pharisees in order to trap Jesus. We're not told. But the idea of trapping Jesus is a possibility because in the same way that working to prepare the banquet on the Sabbath was not on, neither in the minds of these Jewish religious leaders was working in order to heal someone on the Sabbath. And so Jesus' enemies were in force. Luke tells us that at this, at this banquet that they were carefully watching Jesus. Now, Jesus knew that. And um, in what could be described as Jesus disarming his opponents 
Or another way of describing it is that Jesus actually makes a... He doesn't wait for them to speak. He actually makes a preemptive strike. In verse 3, if you have a look at verse 3, Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, that's actually a great question because it puts them in an awkward position. Uh, The reason for that is because in the scriptures, in the law of Moses, there's actually no law that would prohibit someone from healing someone on the Sabbath. There's no law in the scripture which would prohibit that. And so if they answered, no, it's not lawful, then it looks like they're, you know, saying something in addition to the law of Moses and besides that, that they lack compassion. However, they can't say yes either that it is lawful because in their own rabbinic law in the traditions of these uh, of the religious elite uh, their own rabbinic law did prohibit someone from doing the work of healing a person on the sabbath unless the sick person's life was at risk and clearly that's not the case with this particular man and so if they said yes you can heal on the Sabbath, then they would appear to be soft on applying their own laws. They can't say no and they can't say yes. Now, uh, when you're in that kind of position, what's the best thing to do? Keep your trap shut. They were snookered. They were behind the eight ball. And so in verse 4, we're told that they chose to say nothing. They didn't answer Jesus. And so, therefore, Jesus went ahead and healed this poor man. Great news for the man. And the man was sent away by Jesus. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law can't complain about that, can they? Because they can't, if they have, by their silence beforehand, they can't complain about the action after it's been done. But Jesus hasn't finished with the religious leaders. In verse 5... And then he asked them, if one of you has a son or a nox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And again, they had nothing to say. Couldn't answer the question. Uh, That's kind of like it because it was checkmate. Of course, deeds of mercy are allowed on the Sabbath. Of course, if your son or if your oxen has fallen down a well, you're going to pull pull them out. Uh, And uh, because man is not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. The Sabbath is for our benefit. Now, I'm just wondering if at this point the host might have started to regret that he put the name of Jesus on the invitation list. Uh, Because what Jesus has just done in full view of everyone is he has just shamed the VIP guests. That's what he's done, hasn't he? And you know what? It's about to get worse for the host because Jesus now turns his attention to all of the guests. All of the guests. Now, in our culture, at uh, special occasions, we might have a top table for the VIPs. Um, And uh, we've got all sorts of... We've got various dining etiquette as well. You know, my mother used to teach me, uh, always sit up straight at the table, Scott, 
uh, hands off the ta- uh, elbows off the table and don't talk with your mouth full. <laughs> Is that right, Mum? <laughs> uh, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> we sit up straight at the table and we do have sometimes on special events a top table. Um, first century Jewish banquet culture was different to that and it was more complex. Uh, you didn't sit up straight at the table because you actually ate in a reclined position. You would recline on a couch leaning on your left elbow. It actually doesn't sound particularly comfortable to me, <laughs> but that's, that's what they did. And the, the special lounges would be set up. Each lounge uh, had enough room for three guests to kind of recline on each other and the host would sit in the middle and the most important VIP would sit on the host's right because as he would recline, he would put his head in the host's, um, in the host's chest. Uh, and they would, the, the way that they would lay out these tables, or, or these lounges rather, around the table, would be in a U-shaped um, pattern uh, where the most important table where the host would sit was at the base of the U and as it sort of uh, fanned out in both directions uh, the, so too did the positions of importance so that the people who were reclining at the very last tables furthest away from the host were the least important people uh, at the banquet and um, you know what it's one thing to as Jesus did observe at this banquet that guests were actually scrambling to get the positions in the lounges that were closest to the host it's one thing to observe that sort of thing going on it's quite a different thing to actually start actually talking about it and speak about it uh, at the banquet and that's exactly what Jesus did because uh, Jesus wasn't there in order to hobnob Uh, Jesus was there in order to make a difference and he actually spoke up and he tells his parable have a look at it verse 7 In verse 7, Jesus says, um, When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, why on earth would someone choose the higher position for themselves 
without actually being placed there by the host. There wasn't a little a, a name plaque there saying your name. Why would you choose? It's about pride, isn't it? It's about status. It's about self-importance. It's because you think that you actually deserve the top spot and you want others to see that and you want others to think highly of you. But it's a risky strategy because, as Jesus points out, if someone more important than you turns up late, then guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to get bumped off. You're going to get bumped off the top table and by that time, all the other guests will have arrived and you know where the vacancies are going to be? Down at the very end. And the host is going to ask you to take your place at the end in full view of everyone. Much smarter to pick the lowliest place and then when the host sees, he says, no, no, come up, you've got to come up, come up and do that in front of everyone and you'll be honoured. Actually, the proper etiquette in the first century, as espoused by certain rabbis, was that when you arrived at the, at the banquet, you work out who else is there, you work out what your um, rightful position is and then you choose to take a position two or three places below that. Only two or three. And the hosts would know that this is going on and so they would come and they would invite you to take two or three places higher. That was the game that they played in polite circles. And yet Jesus isn't playing that game. He's not playing that game because having exposed their pride and advising that not that they take a position two or three below their rightful position but to take the lowest possible position Jesus is making a difference because what he's doing is he's pointing to a kingdom truth he's pointing that truth in verse 11 that on one day in God's plan all who have exalted themselves will be humbled, whilst those who have humbled themselves by confessing their sin, by confessing their need for a saviour, by turning to the saviour, all who have humbled themselves will be exalted on that one day. Now Jesus is not yet finished, because having firstly rebuked the VIPs, and now having gone and rebuked all of the other guests that were jockeying for position, he now turns on the host himself. Verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they might invite you back. And so you will be repaid. Now, Jesus here is not, um, he's not against normal social life. Uh, if you want to invite me around to your place for a, you know, for a barbecue, I'm happy to accept the invitation. He's not against us inviting our friends and our relatives to parties and barbecues and that sort of thing, or for that matter, your, your neighbours, even if they are rich. He's not against normal social life. After all, he was at a, a banquet himself. 
It's a question of motivation. Because when we put on the big party, the big banquet, and we invite all these people, it might look like we are being very, very generous, opening our home and putting on this lavish food and being generous, but we might actually be craving something in return. Um, perhaps uh, a little bit of social kudos. Uh, perhaps we're interested in getting an invitation to our neighbours, our rich neighbour's house. Maybe you know, an afternoon on his yacht with him, something like that. Or somehow networking. We're networking for our own advantage. And you know what? Jesus says, well, if, that, if that's what you're on about and if that's what happens, if you do get the invitation around your rich neighbour's house, then uh, good on you. you know, congratulations. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts because guess what? That's all you get. That's called reward received in full. Uh, I know some elderly ladies who are not in a position to put on big lavish banquets at their place. But uh, on a regular basis, they, they all get together and they, um, uh, they make sandwiches. They make loads of sandwiches. And they, they pack them up into uh, little you know, brown paper bags and they add a few other goodies in them as well, like you know, some, some beanies and things like that. And then they go out into the, the parks around Central Railway Station in Sydney and they seek out for the poor, the destitute, the homeless, the hungry and, um, and they give them some sandwiches. Now, it's not, um, not going to solve the structural problems of homelessness. But I tell you what, to the person who is poor, helpless and hungry, that means everything. That means everything. And they don't do it for any reward. <laughs> There's no personal gain or advantage in it. The people that they're feeding cannot repay. It's impossible for them to repay. Verse 14. Verse 13. In verse 13, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. At the resurrection of the righteous on that last day. You know, one of the guests who was there on this occasion, he began to see where Jesus was heading with all of this. Uh, because in the Bible, a banquet is a picture of heaven. We saw that last week, didn't we, when we looked at Isaiah chapter 25, uh, where you know, the, the choicest of meats, the finest of wines, these are earthly symbols of a great heavenly reality. These are things which we can wrap our minds around, we know that that means uh, satisfaction, fullness, happiness and joy and so on. And it points us to a heavenly reality of a great heavenly banquet of death swallowed up, of tears wiped away, a reality of forgiveness of sin, 
a reality of relationship with God, a reality that goes on forever for all who have not only accepted the invitation to this banquet, but by their faith have turned up. They've turned up by putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. In verse 15, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Yes, blessed he is he. Blessed indeed, but blessed only for those who accept the invitation, who turn up. In verses 16 through to 23, Jesus now tells a parable about a man who prepared a great banquet. And um, invitations had been sent out, but not with a precise time. That was the way that they did it in in those days. uh, You'd get the invitation, uh, would be sent out, you'd say, yes, I'm coming. Then they'd go back, they'd prepare all the food. And it wasn't until the food was actually already ready to roll out, then the servants would go out and say, okay, you know, we're ringing the bell. It's time to come. It's a bit like in our place, you know, when I know that dinner is coming, I'm just waiting for that call from the kitchen. <laughs> right? Now that, so that's the way it, it operated. But, and so the invitations have gone out. People have said, yeah, we're coming. Sure, no worries about that. But they don't turn up. They don't turn up. Uh, in the, the, for this particular host, the messengers came back to say, no one's coming. And they didn't have any reasons. All they had was excuses. Uh, one white fellow says, well, I, I'm sorry, I can't come. Please excuse me. I've, I've just gone and bought myself a field. I'm going to go and check it out. Someone else says, well, you know, look, I, I've just gone and bought myself you know, five yoke of oxen. That's ten oxes, by the way. I've I've just gone and bought bought myself five yoke of oxen. I've got to go and try them. They're lying. They're lying. No one buys land or livestock without checking it out first, do they? And And besides, they'll still be there in the morning in any case. Another fellow says, well, I can't come because I've just gone and got myself married. Well, bring your wife. She can come too. It's a sad picture. It's a sad picture, actually, of Israel because Israel, through the prophets, had been invited into the kingdom of God to the great heavenly banquet of the age to come. And yet... Here, at this moment, in the very presence of God's King, in the very presence of Messiah, in the very presence of of Jesus, their chief desire is to trap him, trip him up on a technicality of Sabbath observance, accuse him, and even eventually to kill him. Now, people get annoyed when guests don't show up at their wedding reception because the empty place that they've paid for could have been occupied by someone else who actually wanted to come 
and would have enjoyed being there and would have benefited from being there. And so the host in Jesus' parable was, was rightly angry. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to the master. That's all the excuses. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Notice how, who the people are who he now invites. The same people that Jesus told the host that he should have been inviting. The poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. The very kind of Jewish people who had been truly touched by Jesus. The very kind of people who put their trust in him throughout his ministry. And they go and do that. They go and bring in all of the poor and the crippled and the lame and the, and the, 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 lame and the blind and yet there's still more room at the banquet. And so in verse 23, the, the servants are now to go outside of the city to, to spread themselves out, to go out to the roads and all the country lanes. And by the way, the, the word there for country lanes means it's, the, um, it's actually the, the hedges along the sides of, country, of, 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 of rural tracks. It's in these hedges that you'd actually find destitute people finding shelter. Go out to those places. So here we have a picture of the invitation to God's kingdom spreading out, spreading out from uh, Jerusalem and into Judea and into Samaria and into all of the world. The very uh, plan that we see is, as it's brought to fruition in the book of Acts, into the Gentile world. Compel them, says the master. It doesn't mean, you know, grab them by the neck and drag them. He's not saying force them. He's saying persuade them, convince them, because they're going to wonder why they've been invited. They're going to be thinking, really? Is this true? Am I really invited? Persuade them, let them know, yes, they are invited to come along. Because the offer of salvation is for all people. God will exalt any person who humbles themselves, confesses their sins and trusts in Jesus as their saviour. Rich or poor, healthy or afflicted, afflicted with, <clears throat> with, with dropsy, afflicted with whatever, Jew or Gentile, and no matter how great your sin, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how unworthy you are. This banquet is for every person who's forgiven through Jesus. And so we need to do some inviting, don't we? Because there's a sense in which we are these servants, these messengers who, who've got this great invitation and we can Go out and tell people about it. We need to be uh, telling others about Jesus and recognising that our, our community is not homogenous. There's, there's all sorts of different types of people and people groups and that we, the gospel is for, for everybody. And so we need to be telling all kinds of people because God wants his banquet to be full. There's plenty of room. 
Uh, when uh, Jessica Baker and her husband were a no-show at the wedding, they actually had a good reason. Um, apparently, they wanted to go. And they were actually in the process of getting dressed in order to head out to the wedding. When the phone rang, it was their babysitter. The babysitter said, I have to cancel. And they checked the invitation card and it said, no children, please. And it was now too late to send in an RSVP to say we're not coming. They didn't need an excuse. They had a reason. Uh, now, I kid you not, I did not plan this, but less than an hour ago, I received an envelope. <laughs> Inside this envelope, I expect, is an invitation to a wedding. Church service plus the banquet afterwards. Thanks, Janine and Jared. <laughs> I'm going to say yes to this invitation. Not only am I going to say yes to it, I'm going to turn up as well. <laughs> Friends, the gospel of Jesus is God's invitation to you. Have you accepted it yet? Are you coming along? Have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as Jesus finishes up in this last verse by telling us that on the day of judgment there will be no excuses, only deep regrets for all who've not put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your great plan of salvation, the great banquet at the end of, uh, in the next age, and we thank you for the invitation to come along to that. We thank you for Jesus who, by his blood shed on the cross, makes that invitation available for all people. We pray for ourselves, Lord God. We pray that uh, we would be people who take uh, the the heavenly realities of your mercy and apply that in our lives. That we would not be people who are full of self-importance, who jockey for position and status and prestige. That we would not be people who do things for our own advantage, but rather that we seek after the needs of those who are, uh, have less benefits than we do, as you have been towards us. We pray, Father God, that we would be people who humbly accept your invitation uh, to that great banquet and help us to tell more and more people about it for we know that your banquet will be full, full of all sorts of undeserving people like us and for that we just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, Amen.